Welcome to Veracity Health. This is your host, Dr. Ben. Welcome once again, folks. Thank you for listening. Today's podcast, we're going to focus on the update on coronavirus. Okay, today health risks. And then we'll go on to the more recent research or data that we have on coronavirus. And then we're going to end up with the medical breakthrough this week. That's kind of shatter our expectation everywhere, and we'll talk about the implication of that. Okay, without further ado, let's go to the updates. Okay, for the COVID 19 update, um, this is just a hot off the press, folks. Uh, that just happened yesterday, depending on which poll you're looking at or which website you look at. But generally speaking, it's going to be ranging from 1.35 million people to 1.43 million in one day okay in one day last week we actually have that milestone well, wouldn't call it milestone but the breakthrough that we had we had the breakthrough to the 100 million case in one day last week and shortly less than seven days we have another breakthrough day which is 1.43 our seven day average is now at 777,844 people per day okay so that's quite a high number so kind of putting this all of this in perspective okay putting all of this in perspective if you look at the very uh, first or second wave ish that happened around this time last year the highest number was uh, in the 300,000 range. We were um, really panicked back then. Like, wow, 300,000 per day. That's a lot of people. And this past few weeks, uh, this week and last week, that number just quadrupled that, quadrupled that number that we had on our the wave that we had last year here as you can see the number is um, way above that okay <clears throat> a lot of people saying well should we be panicked then um, since we have a lot more people get infected this year than last year uh, the answer is not quite okay but a um, couple of things <clears throat> that I want to point out one is that our death rates are not as high as last year yes it is it has been going up uh, that's something we should be concerned because it's kind of creeping up again uh, not uh, you we have the the wave I want another wave you know right at the end the end of the summer last year and now it start to go up again this year um, yes it's a number that we should be concerned but but one of the things is that you know you have we have to look at a couple of things one i know people kind of get sick and tired of you know hearing about covid and about pandemic that's true okay um no one likes uh, likes to hear these information no one probably focus on this information anymore but couple of things i want to point out is one is that you know the fact that we have enough tests to be able to test more than 1.43 million per day that's really you know that's a test to the dedication that we have for this country in terms of you know, providing the test 
yes, some people might say, well, that's that's number that kind of accumulate over the, over the weekends. Uh, yes, and that could be true, part of it. But still, you know, in the in the span of a few days, uh, we actually provide more tests than ever before uh, to actually trying to see where the you know how many people have the virus and trying to contain those virus. Um, again, this harder contain, <coughs> harder to contain because of the Omicron variant that we are dealing with is a lot harder to contra- contain. Uh, there's two school of thoughts there. Uh, one could be that you know we are wish a lot of people kind of um, jump on this bandwagon at this point. Is that we're gonna be you know reaching our um, end game pretty soon if this keeps going because it could mean that you know people will have the herd immunity because everyone almost virtually almost everyone will be contracting with this disease with the omicron variant uh, that's one thinking or bandwagon that people start talk talk about um, but the other you know in the same hand at the same time we need to keep uh, keep in mind that you know we still have people dying from this disease uh, it's it's not just completely benign like people some people might think omicron is completely benign for most people yes for the for, for the most part most people still uh, have very little symptoms uh, comparing to the hospital numbers that we have the hospital numbers are not as bad but we put a little asterisk there uh, because certain part of this country certain state certain city the numbers are actually getting worse okay the number is getting worse um, and we are right now two years into the pandemic and a lot of people are tired of this um, and for most of you who listening to this if you are medical perf- professionals um, you are tired of it as well you know dealing with at work uh, dealing in the hospitals or even outpatient care uh, there's a lot of this going on a lot of nurses uh, quit their job doctors as well um, and with number of people you know with number of staff having you know exposed to COVID um, you know there's less people in the hospital uh, taking care of the patients so we see that across the board um, and the number is still is a concerning number um, not as bad as what what we had uh, last year or a year before but uh, still is something we need to keep in our mind um, and things hopefully will get better things will uh, there should be you know the light at the end of the tunnel so that hopefully that will come sooner than later okay um, but in terms of um, in terms of the COVID itself okay let's talk about uh, we already talked about the hospitalization we uh, talked about the dead rate dead rate is uh, today is uh, 1694 per day that's the seven day average uh, which is not as high as what it was last year or a couple of years ago um, so uh, let's talk about the next topic which is the furona furona and delta con oops i misspelled delta con furona not fiona uh, fiona that's um the princess in Shrek, uh, that's not Fiona, no. 
Uh, Verona is actually a combination of a flu and coronavirus. A flu and coronavirus. We have a few of those cases that's going around, and many folks actually saying that uh, in the medical community reports that um, that the Verona is not actually detected by the test that we do. Okay, it's not fine. Uh, it's not detected uh, with the test that we do. And you said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why can't we detect these things? Okay, we're supposed to be able to detect these things. Uh, the test that we make, that we have the RT-PCR and the rapid antigen test. All of those should be able to pick it up. So first of all, uh, the uh, the antigen test only tests uh, the antigen uh, of these diseases. If you didn't pick up the antigen, if you stick the swab into your nose and you didn't pick any of those up uh, they won't be able to de detect it as well and once we de de they detect it a lot of time they're looking for certain part certain part of the of the virus okay certain code of the virus and if they don't see those codes same thing with rt-pcr okay with reverse transcriptase um, pcr if they don't pick up those certain codes Therefore, you won't be able to know what that one is. Um, and this is how I think also show that U.S. is kind of lacking behind in terms of uh, decoding a lot of the viruses that's going on. Uh, of all the tests that we actually are doing, we actually not doing that many tests to see what kind of variant it is and be able to detect the variant, the new variant that's coming along. Okay, um, the U.S. is actually far behind on that. Um, for the most part, um, roughly speaking, um, out of millions and millions of tests that we give out, we only test less than twenty thousand uh, of those tests um, per day, or sometime even depending on the city that you live in, sometimes could be even per week. Um, so. That's why it's a little bit harder for us to actually detect any new strand because we're not truly looking for the variant. We're not truly looking for the strand unlike other countries around the world. Okay, So Furona is another strand uh, that's been going around that's according to a lot of medical professionals here in the US and some around the world as well that actually they detect the, this special strand where it combined with the flu, um, the normal flu, the virus, the, vi the virus flu, and with the corona combines together. Okay, and that's why you may not, you could test negative uh, when you actually do a do a um, antigen test, okay, or rapid test. Uh, Delta cron, that's another one that also could be a possible possibility on on the rise. Delta Cron is the combination of Delta variant and Omicron variant combined together. At this time, at the time of recording this podcast, uh, the only country that reports this is in Cyprus. Okay, a little small European country. Um, according to them, and a lot of people saying, well, you're just full of it. Uh, that's baloney. There's no such thing as Delta Cron. It cannot cross mutate no such thing 
but according to this lab and they confirm it several times that uh, they have found uh, the delta cron the, uh, the combination of omicron and the delta variant combined to one uh, to one another and right now they have about 26 people that they found this on and they are keeping a close eye on these 26 folks uh, most of them do not have any symptoms and none of them are in the hospital at this time okay so they are keeping a close eye on that a lot of scientists around the world saying that you know that's that's just not true uh, that's probably some type of contamination that's going in the lab um, so that's why they just kind of put kind of disregard them for the most part but something that we should definitely keep an eye on close eye on um, imagine if you know uh, you have a variant uh, where you could spread like Omicron but have a severity like Delta um, then we, we could have a huge problem in our hand as well okay um, but they won't they won't actually keep this, this name Delta Cron there's no uh, they will not keep this, this name if if they do find indeed do find a new variant uh, the World Health Organization will probably name it as Pi the next Greek next uh, Roman letter okay uh, pi yes uh, the 3.14 pi same letter okay um, so next topic that we're going to talk about is uh, a research that actually coming from England um, in the in the magazine called nature communications uh, the topic of this one, the title of this one is Cross-Reactive Memory T-Cells Associate with Protection Against SARS-CoV-2 Infection in COVID-19 Contacts. Okay. This study was done in England and they did it on 52 people. So the number is quite low. Okay. The number is quite low, very, very low. And the, the author actually said that at the end as well. But to, sum, to summarize this, this lovely study, what they show was that uh, people who actually got infected with flu, okay, with the flu virus, uh, which is the coronavirus. Uh, remember, we have corona before. I mean, we have coronavirus been around for a long time, and and oftentimes it's actually show up as a flu. Um, we had that before. And uh, the, the one that we're dealing with, COVID-19, is the new strand that we never seen before, okay, the new strand. But what this, um, this research actually focused on is focused on people who actually had coronavirus in a form of flu before. And they look at their T-cells, okay, they look at their memory T-cells. Um, in your body, there's actually several uh, in your immune system. Your immune system composed of all kinds of different things to fight off the disease. And T cells is one story, is one part of your immune system. And what they show was that uh, if you had coronavirus or flu, this flu, you actually will have a memory T cells that will be able to, you know, protect you from COVID-19, from SARS-CoV-2. That's right, folks. So if you had this certain flu before, according to this research, if you had this certain flu before, so certain type of flu, you could very well be, you know, 
well protected. This is this is uh, to answer the uh, age-long question in the past couple of years: why certain people, you know, uh, could could uh, never show any symptoms, never show had uh, never had any signs of any infections, and it could be that they they were infected with. Coronavirus uh, as a flu before, and they developed this uh, specialized memory T cells. And again, T cells is working a lot of time working independently from B cells, which means that you know you could your antibody could be long gone. You know your antibody could be completely gone, completely depleted or gone, um, but you still have that memory T cells in you to protect you from coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. So that's a huge study that we should focus on. Um, again, the the author is saying that um, don't don't put too much focus on it. Okay, uh, we need to do further study. Um, we need to kind of expand the study with more people, but but also more stuff as well. Different things that we need need to look at um, to kind of explain why certain people actually never come down with any symptoms and why some people actually come down with some symptom of COVID-19. Okay, next one. Um, Recently approved Paxlovid, which is a medication that actually been approved by FDA to treat uh, to treat COVID, uh, moderate uh, mild to moderate symptoms of COVID-19. Okay, so let's kind of explain of how the Paxlovid work, um, and this is something that you should all be aware of how Paxlovid work because you will actually have to explain this. Uh, or sometimes you need to know, um, so you could explain this to your patient, or as a patient, you might want to know why you're taking certain medication. Okay, so the way that, um, but before we talk about Paxlovid, let's talk about how does coronavirus replicate or the COVID-19 how they replicate. So COVID-19 uh, basically would bind with your ACE2 receptor, okay, to get into your cells, okay, any cells. Um, to go get into the host cells, they bind with the ACE2 receptor. Once they bind with the ACE2 receptor, it's pretty much like inviting them into the home, coming into the home. So they take off their clothes, they unclose, take off their dress, and they expose themselves with expose the their mRNA. They have the mRNA inside of them. They expose that m that RNA strand, and then RNA produce that mRNA. And then your ribosome in your cells start to replicating to because mRNA is like a message, like an email telling you what to do. So it tells your cells exactly what to do. It tells your cell to make more, uh, make more me, make more of SARS-CoV-2, make more of COVID COVID-19 viruses uh, by having yourself you know, manufacture certain part, different parts of the virus. Manufacture the receptor. Manufacture um, actually even replicate more RNA to put in those uh, in those viruses. Okay, so this is where the Paxlovid come in. The Paxlovid actually focus uh, on the mRNA itself. Okay, mRNA itself when they first come in. Okay, the best way to stop the virus from doing its thing is to actually stop them from uncloding. Uncloding or unwinding of the mRNA. So if you actually could stop the virus in the first track, uh, you can't slow it. 
truly, truly stop from them from coming in. But once you come in into the cell, you stop them from unwinding the mRNA. If they cannot unwind the mRNA, this this means they cannot unwind the message. If they cannot unwind the message, they cannot tell your cell it's what to do. So your cell will not be responsive to all of those. So that's how the medication actually works. So stopping things. So thinking of, of a pervert coming into your home and trying to undress. So to, so to stop the pervert from undressing, basically locking all of his clothes. Well, presuming it's a male, uh, locking all of his clothes so they cannot un- unzip their shirt, unzip their pants. Everything is locked. So that's what Paxlovid, the medication that the FDA approved, what it actually does. Okay. So uh, again, anything like anything in medicine, not, nothing is hundred percent. Nothing is ever hundred percent. So therefore, therefore, uh, this one has a pretty good effective track. That's about eighty percent or so, eighty-five percent effective, which fairly is actually a pretty good, not good number, I would say. Um, you can, you know, you can expect one medication, one pill, will actually stop every single cell, every single um, SARS-CoV-2 in your body from from doing this. So, but 85% is darn good. Okay, I'll take that any day. Okay, one one big downfall, and, and it's a it's a big huge news that we should be uh, rejoice and celebrating. Uh, 85% effective in terms of treatment that's great uh, one downside is in terms of production um, and the cost um, basically because the demand is so high at this point um, we're not even quite sure when you're really gonna see it you know, hitting the market um, you probably will see it some of you might see it this month or even next month um, but only you know you won't be able to prescribe this in a regular doctor's office. That's where it's supposed to be, um, and you can the doctor cannot, the clinician, the doctor cannot just prescribe this to everyone who have, especially right now. You a lot of people. You have millions, uh, millions of people per day being diagnosed with this. Uh, you cannot just uh, giving out uh, that quick and that fast. So. Realistically, uh, when will we will see Paxlovid in action? Truly, full wings, full swing. Probably summer or even late, um, even down to like July or August to truly see um, it actually being used in the majority of the population. So, um, in terms of the supply chain and everything else, so that probably will come down much later. On that same uh, similar news, on the uh, so we talk about the medication front. Now we talk about the vaccine front. Uh, the CEO of Pfizer actually came out this week and announced that we they actually uh, almost done with the new vaccine for Omicron. Okay, they almost done with the new vaccine for Omicron. So they actually uh, in a huge process right now, trying to big push in terms of producing. Uh, the Omicron, Omicron specialized vaccine uh, only focus on Omicron variant. Okay, and hopefully they are hoping to actually get this out by next month and get it approved by FDA probably sometime next month or the following month, which is March. 
so that's the timeline that's what they're looking at um, so uh, then they also said that uh, from from then on they probably will do a mix uh, according to Pfizer they will do a mix uh, vaccine combination from with their old ones and new ones so so you're gonna have two kind of type of bottles you have one bottle just for Omicron variant for those people who already have two shots or even a booster they would get this another booster for this year so there are their goal is to actually have one booster a year and then you're gonna have another type uh, of vaccine which kind of mix all three all two together three but all two together the old one that they made uh, the first original one and then the, the brand new one they kind of mix in the same vial okay so um, that's that's their goal that's their idea of how the vaccine gonna be rolling out uh, hopefully they roll out those uh, by um, by the next few months and then the full the combined shots hopefully uh, a few months after that as well okay uh, next topic um, this one actually a new study coming from the Singapore Ministry of Health For those of you who don't know Singapore is actually a small little sovereign country in Southeast Asia right by the equator um, just became independent about 30 40 years ago I believe uh, in the 80s 70s I'm sorry 60 and 70s so a few years back um, so they actually look at the death in their country they ha uh, they look at um, 802 deaths in their countries and they kind of looking at the percentage of those uh, people who actually died and they trying to see uh, what kind of vaccine or what which would be the most effective uh, type of treatment or vaccines uh, as you can see in this chart majority of people's uh, of, of the 802 79 percent of them um, 79 i believe 79 actually 79 percent i believe um, were unvaccinated uh, non-fully vaccinated okay uh, so 79 of them that died uh, because they're not getting any vaccine and then they also further on break down uh, those who actually were fully vaccinated which is 247 that are fully vaccinated and how many of those actually died uh, as you can see uh, Sinovac is at 11% Sinopharm is 7.8 uh, Pfizer BioNTech is at 6.2% and the lowest one is Moderna Moderna is at 1% because of this study because of this study the whole country the singapore ministry of health is announcing that they're gonna vaccinate everyone with moderna moderna vaccine okay moderna vaccine because of this very study because it has the lowest death rates okay it caused the lowest death rate in their country and they will from this point on they will focus on all of the vaccine to be moderna vaccine okay quite interesting um, quite interesting in development is something to keep an eye on and the last one we want to kind of end with the big news uh, for this week uh, this is something called xenotransplantation xenotransplantation what is xenotransplantation basically we have a, a genetic modifi modification we actually gen um, 
um, genetically modified pigs. Okay, pigs for the most part we use pig, and then uh, we modify them to the point that uh, we take out their genes uh, to become reactive. Uh, when we do organ transplant, and then we cut, we harvest their organ, we harvest their heart, their kidney. Uh, some of you might say, "Why pig?" Okay, first of all, pigs actually have about the same size uh, of organs that we do, about the same size, same size of heart, not exactly the same, but close enough, same size kidney, liver, and pancreas. Okay. So we have, uh, they have similar size, uh, and this week was the first time, very first time that we actually use um, pig's heart, and then we transplant that into the actual uh, person. Fifty-seven-year-old uh, male uh, agrees to do this, uh, and he uh, was adamant uh, that he don't want to wait for the heart transplant, and he's okay to. Um, you know, use the pig's heart, and you know he said one way or the other, I'm not getting out of this hospital until I have the transplant, I have the heart, a new heart. And if I die, you learn something. Okay, if I die, you learn something. Uh, so that's how adamant he was uh, to go through the procedure. And uh, at this point, he is actually doing really well, extremely well. Um, everything looks great. Uh, basically, they went in. The team went in, and University of Maryland. Uh, the team went in, replaced his heart, take out his old heart, and then put in the pig's heart. And he's still doing great at this point. Uh, this is not the first senile transplantation. We actually had the kidney uh, was done before last year in October 2021. We actually had a kidney transplant to a a brain dead patient. Uh, patient actually who not responsive, uh, brain dead, um, and but we didn't go into the body. We actually just stick the kidney on the leg. Um, some of you might have seen that picture last year, um, but this is quite remarkable because now we are, you know, we are doing a baby step, but this is the first step showing that um, we don't, we may not need, uh, we may not need uh, to wait for. For the human organs, uh, we could use uh, harvest our organs uh, from the animal itself. Okay, uh, that wraps up our episode, our second episode today. Thank you for listening, and if you like these kind of content, please make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, and I will see you around. Doctor Ben is out. <laughs>